0: California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. Welcome everyone to the pilot program of the California Underground Podcast. My name is Phil. I'll be your host and thank you for tuning in. This is a show that I've been working on or had an idea for for a long time. I've started a blog on the same sort of topic and uh, thought that a podcast would be a good way to go. So let me give you a couple of background things of who I am, why am I doing this podcast, what makes, I think, this a little bit different than your normal political podcast. So first off, I've been a big fan of politics since I was uh, back in high school. And that was probably right around the time that I got into history and politics. I was also right around the time of George W. Bush. Uh, sent a lot of troops over to Iraq and a lot of Americans were feeling kind of betrayed at that time because of the fact that he said, well, we're going to go get the bad guys and we're going to go get them in Afghanistan because that was supposedly where 9-11 perpetrators were, but he decided instead, I'm going to go over to Iraq as well. Uh, That switched me over to a Democrat at the time. Yes, I'm going to be upfront and honest. I was a Democrat For the longest time, I thought Democrats were the Progressive Party of America. I thought, well, people like Teddy Roosevelt was just a Democrat in disguise back then. He was just a progressive Republican who should have just been a Democrat. But the more I learned, I have changed over time. We'll get to that in a minute. Move on to college, had a bipartisan radio show uh, where it was me as a Democrat and someone else as a Republican We used to discuss a lot of politics. It was right around the 2004 Kerry Bush election. I found myself completely enamored and obsessed with what was going on with the presidential election. I couldn't take my eyes off of the news. And that's when I knew that I was going to switch from, laughably, a, a music major over to political science. So after that, after college, I uh, got some jobs and I worked at a radio station. And in my free time, I had a podcast that I called The Radical Middle, which was based on an excellent book. Might be a little outdated at this point, but the theory of the book was pretty good called The Radical Middle. Radical Middle was basically just a a show about being moderate, common sense, uh, political solutions, rational thought, taking the temperature down a little bit. And just talking about issues, and really just figuring out what's going on in the world, listening to other sides, sides you may not agree with. And that sort of, I guess, is the basis of where this podcast came from. Now, people ask, well, what, what's the point of the California underground? What does the California underground mean? Quick little history lesson. I came up with the idea when I was researching, and I thought about back in World War II, uh the French at that time after Nazi Germany came in and took over basically occupied all France there was a movement called the French Resistance it's French Resistance and it was also called the French Underground now the point of the French Underground was to fight back against the totalitarian authorita- authoritarian rule of the Nazi regime And that was what they wanted. They wanted a free France. They wanted liberty. They wanted their rights back. And they definitely weren't getting them under the Nazi regime. So I thought sort of the same thing's going on here in California. And I see that the trend right now in California, and I love this state. I love, love this state. I love living here. I moved here twice in college, and then I moved back for law school. Um, I don't want to leave. I love everything about this state from the weather to the culture, to the people. I think there's a lot of great things about California. Now, with that said, I think that California has devolved into a one party state. And that's an issue. It's an issue because different solutions in this state require different points of view. And right now we can only get one point of view going on in our state government. And that's the Democrats. Now, the Democrats right now, I would say, are definitely Democrats that were not Democrats. Uh, It's not the same Democratic Party I was when I was back in high school. That's for for damn sure. Um, They've gone far off the ledge in terms of far-left policy, far-socialist policies, and they get farther and farther extreme every single day. It seems like they keep getting lunier and lunier. And I like to call them leftists. I don't like to call them liberals because they're not traditional liberals in the sense of Liberals who want sort of the liberty or the freedoms involved away from government. It's almost like you could say these leftists are statist. And that's the sense that they worship above all. They worship the state. They want more government in your life. They want more taxes. They want more regulations. They believe the wealthy are inherently evil. They believe business should always be paying their fair share. It's always the evil businessman. It's always the guy with the monopoly hat and the monocle who's always holding the man down. And these are, this is Socialist Rhetoric 101. So my goal with this is to create a discussion space for everyone who's not a far extreme leftist. Because I know for a fact that there are a lot of people out there, and I see them every day, I talk to them every day, whether they're a moderate Democrat or a conservative or a libertarian or an independent who just wants common sense solutions here in California. And that's partially why the intro to the show names all those things. It's time... For us to come together and put down our arms and put lay down our armor and have these groups work together to steer this turn this state back from where it's headed. If we fight amongst ourselves, it'll always be the far left extremists. And right now, that's not the way our state should be run. Our taxes are too high. Housing is unaffordable. Uh, infrastructure is crumbling. Yet they brag about oh, we have a twenty billion dollar surplus. Too bad you're not using any of that surplus to actually do what the state is supposed to do, like maintain infrastructure and pay employees and make sure that the pension's fully funded and stuff like that. So we have people, in co- or people here in the state government of California who are running the state into the ground. I mean, this is the state that has politicians sitting here saying, I wonder if we should tax text. Why not? That's a great idea even though it would be slapped in the face with a First Amendment challenge right away. That's sort of the mentality that's going on in our state legislature right now. This is Sacramento. These people are running our state. And now we've elected an even more far-left socialist in the sense of Gavin Newsom. Now, I don't know if he's really far-left or he's just playing the part because that's where the Democratic Party is going we're going to talk a little bit about where the National Democratic Party is going in this show and how it's sort of coming from California and then reflecting back on California. But Gavin Newsom is pushing the socialist agenda. He is pushing the idea that we need to tax the wealthy. We need to tax the corporations that are saving money under Trump's tax plan. He wants to in, uh, introduce single-payer, which should scare the hell out of everybody in the state of California. He wants to give uh, health care to illegal immigrants, those who are undocumented, just for just for being here, even though a lot of people are paying through the nose for their health insurance, and they can't even meet the deductibles to go see a doctor. Um, but that's all just examples. So that's why I created this podcast, What I want to do with this is I want people to come together. I want this to be a discussion space. I want to hear from people. This is a movement. This is a revolution. This is the California underground. We're going to help fight back against the totalitarian left. We're going to fight back against these leftist, statist, crazy people who are in Sacramento right now and change this state back to the way it was when it was the land of opportunity, when it was the idea of go west, young man, when... The American dream was embodied in California. I mean, we used to send people like Reagan to the White House. This was a red state. And I'm not saying we need to go back to being a red state. California is a unique dichotomy of different political views. I have a lot of good friends who are conservative, but they're more of the libertarian ilk. I have a lot of people who are moderate Democrats. And I get along with all of them. But there's a lot of things we see in common more than we we we'd see differences in. And that comes down to kitchen table politics. I've always said, politics has to be about the kitchen table politics. And what do I mean by that? Kitchen table politics is when you sit down at the kitchen table and you talk about the things that matter to you and your family. Do you talk about taxes? Do you talk about your paycheck? Do you talk about, do you have a job? Do you have good health care for you and your family? These are the things that people really care about. And right now, a lot of legislatures, legislators and our new governor don't seem to really care about the kitchen table politics that's going on here in California. They don't care that the middle class is being squeezed out. They don't care that housing is unaffordable for most people and unattainable for most middle class people here in California. They don't care about that. They don't care that millions of people are leaving across the board, Arizona, Nevada, Texas. They don't care. They have this vision of what California needs to be, this socialist utopia. And they're going to push it as hard as possible until this state absolutely breaks. The only thing that's really helping California is one, if we have a great economy, which, by the way, I believe if California was unleashed and had an economy and a regulatory system similar to that of someplace like texas forget it california would be the dubai of the world it would be unbelievable in the sense of the economic opportunity going on here it would it would be so big it would help the gdp of america if california was a little bit more business friendly but i digress but we got to work together we have to work together, and we got to figure out how to move this state forward in a better direction than the way it's headed right now. Now, even though I am a registered Republican, I am not happy with the Republican Party here in California. It is a party of losers, and you can look at our last election with John Cox, and yeah, it's amazing that we actually got somebody onto the ballot. That's, there were enough people who said, we're ty- we don't want Gavin Newsom that they said, well, we're going to get John Cox on the ballot. But John Cox was such a feckless loser because he had no ambition and no drive, no passion. He did not swell the passions of voters to get them to drive out and vote for him. As soon as he got the nomination, I said, well, you can just wrap this up right now because there's no way John Cox is going to beat Gavin Newsom. Now, just an anecdotal story. I went to the GOP convention back in the spring last year. It was down here in San Diego. And this is the kind of ideal that the California GOP goes through and why we have such feckless leaders and this party is, is so weak and just a party of losers. You had John Cox and you had Travis Allen who were vying for the, the nomination for governor, for Republican governor. So you'd walk by the Travis Allen table There was energy. There was passion. People were surrounding, swarming Travis Allen's table. Everywhere the man went, he couldn't walk five steps in a convention without people going up to him saying, Mr. Allen, can I get your photograph? And Mr. Allen, can I get your autograph? And Mr. Allen, we hope you win. And Mr. Allen, we're we're here with you. And they loved it. And they were, they were, people were passionate about someone like Travis Allen. Does the GOP support someone like Travis Allen? Of course not. Instead, they Weasel their way out and they they don't pick either one. Now, John Cox, on the other hand, same convention. He could walk down the hallway and no one would care. He'd walk he walked right past me, no one cared. But Travis Allen was a rock star at that convention. And that's just this small example of how feckless and weak our California GOP is right now. And of course, this this podcast isn't a conservative Republican rah-rah-rah podcast, but I'm just saying I'm a Republican because you need to counteract the far left, and that's why I'm a Republican. Um, But like I said, we have a unique state and a lot of unique points of view. And there's a lot of people out there who I believe are not far leftists. We're just common sense people. But California does have a unique population. It does have people who are far out in the east or up north who are a lot more conservative. You have people who are sort of moderate or they're fiscally conservative, but they're socially liberal. They don't care about marijuana or gay marriage or stuff like that. We have to figure out how do we move forward from this? How do we work together to make California a, a state that welcomes the middle class, that is pro-business, that is, is for liberty, is for personal freedoms, that doesn't trample on your constitutional rights? How do we work to get to that point? And that's why we have to work together, all of us, that's why this is a movement. This isn't just the California GOP podcast. This is people who are dismayed and frustrated with how far left California is going and they want to be a part of something and they want to discuss and we want to figure out how to get this going. So, again, I want to hear from you. You can email me at California Underground at ProtonMail.com. Again, California Underground at ProtonMail.com. So, Obviously, we're going to talk about a lot about uh, California politics. Since the name of this is California Underground, we're also, of course, going to talk about national politics because national politics has an effect on people here in California, especially with the way that the governor's mansion, and the governor's race was all about, well, I'm going to defy Trump at every single turn and I want to fight back and we're going to be the resistance state. So, yeah, national politics has a definite impact on us here in California and vice versa. California has an impact on national politics. So we're gonna talk about national politics. We're gonna talk about culture. We're gonna talk about a lot of things, California. But if you want to hear something different, like I said, you can email me, California Underground at ProtonMail So with that brief, brief, sorry, I went on for a little bit. I get a little passionate, but that's the point of this podcast. After that brief introduction of what we're gonna be talking about here on California Underground going forward, the first topic that I would like to discuss. You ready for this? It's pretty big. The first topic I would like to discuss is the front runner for the National Democratic Party. Now you're probably saying, Well, they that's not California news. I'll get to it in a second. It's gonna tie in, believe me. Now I was reading a piece from the Federalist. If you haven't read The Federalist, you should go. The Federalist has incredible stories, great opinion pieces, well-researched, well-thought-out. I'm going to warn you right now, they are not pieces that you want to just skim through. They're not 500-word little articles that you can just blow through really quickly and get sort of the idea of. The Federalist has great writing, but you have to kind of go in and enjoy it. So this is a piece about Kamala Harris. Kamala. I I don't know. I hear everybody repeating it differently. Kamala Harris. Kamala. I supposedly she changed it once she announced she's now Kamala Harris. Anyway, California senator. uh, We all know her. She came from San Francisco. We don't have to get into the whole Willie Brown thing and how she got up the political ladder. Um, I mean, everyone talks about that to death. That's not the most important thing. But Kamala Harris has been unofficially deemed the frontrunner of the Democratic Party for 2020. I believe she's taking her socialist policies of California, those California far left socialist policies, and she's making that the national platform. Now, when you're someone who comes out and you name the national platform, it's beneficial to you as a politician because you set the parameters. Now you see a lot of the contenders who are going to be coming in, they're going to have to be arguing sort of how they're a better Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris. I'll, you know, it's going to change. I, mean, I apologize. I'm going to say it differently every time. But they're going to be coming in and they're going to be arguing what makes them a better Kamala Harris as opposed to Kamala Harris. And now that it's sort of the same way that Trump came out and he said, all right, we're going to talk about immigration. We're going to talk about border wall. We're going to talk about this. We're going to... But before Trump came along, those were not issues in the Republican Party. It wasn't until Trump came along and he said, okay, these are the things we're going to talk about. This is the new platform. And then everybody sort of had to argue within his parameters. So Kamala Harris, who came out a couple of weeks ago, had her big rally. I'm just going to, I'm going to read some of it. If I read most of it, I apologize. You can just keep skipping forward, but it's a great article. The questions for the prospective Democratic Party presidential candidates to this point are nothing but endless iterations on how evil is Donald Trump? Even when asked other questions, it is a soft pitch or questions or ones larded with up with euphemisms and dishonest framing to make it virtual. States support laws that strip virtually any obstacle to obtaining abortion up until the moment of birth. According to studies, most women who seek these abortions do not do so for reasons of fetal anomaly or life endangerment, do you believe that a mother should have the right to obtain an abortion, a viable baby up until the moment of birth, if the mother claims mental distress? Kamala Harris, do you believe babies who survive botched abortion procedures should be through the purposeful neglect of doctors allowed to die, if that is the mother's wish? Senator Harris, what limits, if any, do you believe that there should be placed on abortion? Likewise, on the issue of energy, nuclear energy, which does not emit carbon dioxide, generates around 20% of American energy, or far more than any, quote, green energy source. The The Green New Deal calls on the elimination of all nuclear power within 11 years. Senator Harris, do you support this policy? The Green New Deal also calls for the elimination of all energy production that produces carbon monoxide or air pollution which oil and natural gas, one of the cheapest sources of America's energy, and one of the reasons the United States has been able to lead the world in carbon emissions reduction. Uh, Senator Harris, how do you propose eliminating nearly 90% of all American energy usage in 11 years? If not in 11 years, how many years do you propose reaching this goal? Senator Harris, do you support a national ban on fracking? the elimination of fossil fuel production would likely cost tens of trillions of dollars of cost on the American consumer through spiking costs and massive infrastructure changes. Every car in America, for example, would have to be retrofitted to run on electricity. Should the government pay for the cost on on these families? How will we pay for it? The U.S. oil gas industry itself supports over 10 million jobs in the United States that would be lost within the decade. Will you retrain millions of people to work in far more expensive, but produces far less efficient energy? How will those people find new jobs? What will we do with their pensions and health care? Turning to guns, Senator Harris, you often use the term, quote, assault weapon to describe semi-automatic firearms. Since, quote, semi or assault weapon isn't an official category of firearm, can you explain what it means? And if you could, would you be in favor of a national ban on all semi-automatic weapons or semi-automatic rifles even for law-abiding citizens? Do you believe that is something America should strive for? Specifically, what type of guns would you like to see banned? How do you do how would you propose confiscating them? On health insurance Senator Harris, do you believe like a number of Democratic party hopefuls that private insurance should be banned in the United States and Americans should be forced into a government-run plan? If not, how can Medicare for All work? Medicare for All policy is estimated to cost taxpayers around $32.6 trillion over 10 years. Even the best-case scenario estimates that in instituting top marginal tax rate of 70% would raise a little more than $700 billion over that decade. How will you propose paying for the other $31.9 trillion? trillion dollars Sarah Harris do you support free college does it concern you that free college creates that people taking useful majors then will help to find productive work in the job market how long will students be able to go to college for me for free how many the top individual income and the largest source of U.S. revenue right now the top 20 percent of Americans pay close to 90 percent of that income tax what percentage do you believe would be quote a fair share Sarah Harris, do you agree with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi that border walls are immoral? California shares a 140-mile border with Mexico, about 105 miles of which is walled or fenced, including a giant fence that juts into the Pacific Ocean. Is that wall immortal? If border walls are immoral, should it be taken down? So there you have it. Those from the Federal Say, little editorial uh, additions on my part. But the reason I, I read that was because this is where the Democratic Party is going, and I believe that it stems from far left socialist ideas coming from here in California, and people like Kamala Harris, <clears throat> people like Kamala Harris, Senator Car- uh, Senator Harris, are espousing these ideas. Is because they saw the progressive uh, wing of the party get so excited about them in twenty sixteen with Bernie, they saw it again. Now with 2018 with uh, Alexandria ocasio cortez AOC, as Mark Levin likes to call her. These progressive ideals are getting more and more popular in the Democratic Party. And you're starting to see it with Senator Kamala Harris. You're starting to see it with Senator Elizabeth Warren. People are starting to see how far left they can go which if you're someone sort of more in the middle, whether you're middle left or middle right, this is scary, scary stuff because they keep pushing these far left agendas and they don't seem to have any real solution as to how are they going to pay for all this? Even if if the math does not add up, if you keep, if you take a hundred percent of the top income earners here in America, you would only get about $2 trillion. That's assuming that they don't just flee the country after they find out you're going to take all of their hard-earned money. But these are the policies that are being put forward. They don't seem to understand how they're going to pay for single-payer health care. They keep thinking, well, Obamacare failed, which it failed on purpose, mind you. It was made to fail so that the next president can come in and say, well, we didn't go far enough, so I guess we need to go for single-payer, which is you're starting to see right now a lot of these candidates are saying, well... Healthcare is still an issue. Even with Obamacare, we still have to go back to a single payer or we have to go to a single payer system, which I think is catastrophically uh, disastrous for our country. Um, And fun fact, if you live here in Southern California, it's actually cheaper for you to just go on down to Tijuana and get medical care. Yeah, I actually looked it up. Talk about little co-pays, $5, $10 here. I mean, you get spa treatment, acupuncture. You get all of it. You just go across the border to Tijuana. If you want to go across the border to Tijuana, that's your thing. But you're starting to see it that the they're all starting to out-socialist each other. And an interesting tidbit that I, I've been following is poor Howard Schultz. Now, I, I like Howard Schultz. I respect him. Uh, he built a great business. He worked hard. He, if you don't know his backstory, he grew up in the projects of Brooklyn, worked his way up, uh... I think he was the retail director of Starbucks, and then he was able to take Starbucks to the next level. He was a guy who bet the farm that Starbucks would work. You know, If you ever read his book, his first book's really interesting in how it happened, how he built Starbucks. I read it when we were kind of creating our own coffee shop back in New Jersey, just for some inspiration. But his story is really interesting. I mean, it's the American dream. Some guy who comes along, he has an idea, he, he risks it all, and now he's a billionaire. And I, you look at how the left is treating Howard Schultz. And it just goes to show you how far left they've gone and how crazy and extreme they have gone. That someone like Howard Schultz, who checks all the boxes, mind you, he did everything correct. He did everything correct, if you think about it. When they had that whole issue with the race and and someone got kicked out because of police, he immediately addressed it. Then they had the whole issue with homeless people and then there were people who were shooting up drugs and now he put in Starbucks has needle dispensaries or depositories so that you can deposit your needles after you shoot up. This guy has gone above and beyond as a business to create that social justice cachet with his consumers. He's done everything. He's checked every single box, but because he's not a avowed socialist, the left and the Democrats absolutely hate him. And he's come out and said, look, I I don't know how you're going to pay for Medicare for all. It's a fool's dream. There's no way you can pay for it. He doesn't like the idea that you're going to tax your way into prosperity. He's a businessman, and that's the problem is that moderate democrats like Howard Schultz are being pushed out of the party because the left is getting farther and farther down the road towards socialism, faster and faster. They're racing each other to socialism right now. But I feel bad for Howard Schultz. He's a nice guy, did a good job. Built a business. Still believes in the American dream. He believes that you know businesses can do a little bit better. And he he kind of set the bar in the sense of he gave baristas stock options and health care, which in the fast food world is, not, is definitely not heard of. You don't think of, well, I'm going to get health care. I'm going to get stock options if I go into Starbucks. Definitely helped a lot of people who were trying to get their way through college, but howard schultz that's why he's got to run as an independent now that's probably partly why he's getting the ire of the left is because of the fact that he might screw up a lot of the chances for the democrats to retake the white house in 2020 if he jumps into the race because someone like a howard schultz will definitely take a lot of the moderate democrats with him he'll siphon off a lot of those moderate democrats now mind you That could also be a bad thing for Trump because Trump took a lot of moderate Democrats as well. He took states that were usually blue with moderate Democrats, those blue dog Democrats. And he took those states. So it's not clear that he would just take from the Democratic candidate. He could also also take from Trump. But either way, that's why the left is absolutely attacking poor Howard Schultz. I feel bad for him. I hope he runs, I think it would be interesting to see him run I think even if he ran for a little bit and then dropped out And didn't actually get into the whole election He might be able to bring up some good points Now with that said, at least Howard Schultz Is a Democrat who has values and principles And he stands by him A lot of the left today, and you're going to hear me say this a lot Is rules for thee but not for me and we see that constantly with the extreme left. You always see them pointing the finger at other people and saying, you're not living up to our ridiculously high standards, but then when they fall short of them, they just shrug it off. Perfect example is this Ralph Northam issue that's going on right now in Virginia. The man was caught. Which, which choice is better if you're Ralph Northam? Are you the guy in blackface? or are you the guy in the KKK hood? Either way, you're most likely a ra- racist. His nickname was Ralph Northam Coonman. But again, if you're on the far left, it doesn't matter. You get a free pass. You don't get the ability to say things and then be held accountable. You get that pass because you're on the far left. Now, a perfect example of this, Bring it all back into California politics to finish out, I just want to close the show on this one issue about our new governor. And believe me, I'm not surprised at all. In fact, I I, I half expected it. But our new governor, Gavin Newsom, has recently said that he's going to move out of the governor's mansion in Sacramento. According to the LA Times, he he moved out or they're planning on moving out. They bought a home in Fair Oaks, California for a cool sum of 3.7 $3. million dollars in cash. Well, that's nice. You can it's nice to have 3.7 million dollars in cash laying around. I don't know how he got that type of money being in public service his whole life, but I digress. Maybe his wife inherited it. I I don't want to I don't want to assume, but they just said $3.7 million in cash is what they paid for the house. Now, what's unique about this house is not only the fact that it's really expensive, is the fact that it's got a pool and a sauna and a spa and all sorts of amenities and six to seven acres of land. Now, could you imagine most Californians can't even think about getting a half acre of land? But the governor of California has enough cash laying around that I can just spring for a house with seven acres of land. And this is the guy who's lecturing us about our carbon footprint. And he's chastising President Trump for the fact that he left the Paris Accord. Yet he buys a house that, let me see, heated pools take a lot of electricity and energy. Saunas definitely take a lot of uh, electricity and energy. Uh, wine cellars take a lot of electricity and energy. A lot of the, This house is going to take a lot of energy. So unless he's getting it all from renewable energy, it's pretty hypocritical. He doesn't seem to care about increasing his carbon footprint in that way. But the most hypocritical thing about Gavin Newsom with this whole moving his family out. Now he says it's for his children, which of course is usually the fallback for the children. Children are at school. We don't want to upset their lifestyle. That's all fine. But for someone who campaigned on diversity and how California diversity is our strength, let me tell you something. Fair Oaks, California in the 2010 census was 85% white. How's that for diversity for you? He's moving from a neighborhood that was 45% white in Sacramento to 85% white in Fair Oaks. This is no normal neighborhood. This is your hoity-toity rich neighborhood. The income is above average. Obviously, the homes are beautiful. Not to mention now he has to actually drive to work every day if he does even show up to work every day. He was notorious as a lieutenant governor for not showing up to work. Maybe he'll he'll, he'll be a governor remotely. Maybe he'll do a virtual thing. But either way, Gavin Newsom already as a far leftist is the embodiment of what you're going to see a lot of when it comes to the far left. Rules for thee, but not for me. If you haven't figured this out yet, start to look for it. Start to see what the far left says. Start to see what Democrats say. And like I said, I used to be a Democrat. These are things that maybe I used to believe in. Maybe not the far socialist stuff. I was uh, was definitely a blue dog, moderate Democrat. Pro-business, for the little guy, for the middle class. But look at what they say and how they act are two different things. When you have people like Leonardo DiCaprio who is giving lectures and speeches about climate change and how we have to do better. And then he flies off to this place or that place on his private jet. Same thing with Al Gore. He has a home that runs so much electricity. I think there's something like 30 times the normal person in that area. 30 times more energy. And don't quote me. I think that's what the stat said. But you have to look at what they say and what they actually do. And that's what's scary, and this is going to sum and bring everything back up together and, and kind of put a little nice bow on it. You have to look at these Democrats who are running for president, who are running for your, even your city council, who are running for governor of California, who are running for your state legislature. They say one thing and they do another. And you as the people, we as the people, have to suffer the consequences. We have no choice. A lot of us can't afford to just pick up and go. Our families are here. Our homes are here. We can't afford to just give up a job and and take everything and, and roll the dice in another state. We don't have that luxury. The peons or the little people in California and in America as a whole don't matter to the far leftist. Let them eat cake. No one knows how we're going to pay for all these socialist programs. No one has any idea how we're going to give away single-payer health care. No one has any idea how Gavin Newsom's going to pay for single-payer health care in California. No one has really any idea how he's going to make housing affordable in California. When he's running around buying houses for $4 million in cash. They will say anything to get into power. They will promise you the world. And this is what made me leave the Democratic Party. Stuff like this made me leave the Democratic Party because I opened my eyes and said, there's no way, everything they've been feeding me, and this was after eight years of Obama. He promised the world. What did I get in return for two votes for President Obama? Nothing. He promised he was going to forgive student loan debt. He was going to take on the banks. He was going to revive the economy. He was going to help millennials. He was going to do this and he was going to do that. At the end of eight years, nothing changed. Nothing changed for us who came out of college looking for help. We had to fight it out on our own. And those who I think fought it out got a little bit better. They got a little more hardened. Maybe they voted for Trump. They wanted a change. But that is a big topic that you're going to see a lot in this podcast. Pointing out the hypocrisy of the left. The hypocrisy and the double standards of the left and how they continue to get away with it. And it's not until you open your eyes and you start to look at it, until you start to really examine what they're saying, to pick apart and say, wait, 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 wait wait a second. $3.2 trillion, $32 trillion. That's a lot of money. Where are we going to get that money? Who's paying for this? Do the uber-rich have to abide by this single-payer? No. They're going to get their fancy uh, Cadillac programs because they're going to pay more. They're going to get better benefits. The rest of us are going to fight it out for ER care. But that's because their goal is not to help you or me. It never was. Their goal as far leftists, is to give more power to the state and to get more power. And every vote that you do and that you give to them, gives them more power. So all I'm asking is that you start to think about what they say and look at what they do. And you'll you'll open your eyes to see the double standards. And that's the only way we're going to help turn this around is we got to start asking questions when we got to start organizing. We got to get better leadership in this state. We got to get people who really want to make a difference. We got to get people who are ready to turn this around and fight back and not take it lying down. No more parties of losers. No more people who are graceful and have dignity. We got to fight. This is a street fight now. Our state is hurtling towards collapse it's great we have a $20 billion surplus but that could be gone in the the blink of an eye if we implement too many of these socialist programs if we let too many people in California get control of power and the levers of power and start to spend like drunken sailors so with that I want to end this is the first podcast thank you again I apologize if I stuttered or anything like that Wanted to keep this as raw and natural as possible. I don't want to create some... This is a discussion. I get passionate. I trip over words. I don't care. If my jersey comes out, so be it. When I get passionate, I talk through my jersey accent. But this will be the first of many. And if you want to be a part, and you think that you want to make something happen, then we need to spread the word. We need to start talking about this, how we're going to fix it. And I'm talking to everybody, I'm talking to the moderate Democrats, I'm talking to the conservatives and the Republicans, I'm talking to libertarians, I'm talking to the common sense independent out there who just wants to make sure they know that they'll be able to provide for their kids, that they'll be able to put them through college, that they'll have some retirement, that they won't be wiped out by the the cost of housing or energy, that they won't be forced to give up everything and flee the state. I don't want to give up on this state. Do you want to give up on this state? I don't want to go anywhere. Why should I? Why should I have to leave? But if you want to make something happen, we got to start talking about this and where we're going to go. So subscribe. Tell your friends about this. Spread the word. The more subscriptions we have, we got to spread the word. Because we got to fight back and we got to take back California. And with that, welcome to the California Underground. And I'll see you on the next one.